I've been kind of reflecting and thinking about how it is that I might uh, bring some kind of an illustration of the nature of the Holy Spirit to you. Uh, And something rather wonderful happened this week. Uh, So I was uh, sitting in the room where I normally prepare my messages. On it was on Friday, in fact. And uh, we've had sort of mixed weather over this kind of half-term period, haven't we? We've had some, uh, quite a bit of rain, really. It's very rainy today. Also some hot weather. And of course, that leads to the possibility of thunderstorms, doesn't it? Uh, And on Friday afternoon into the evening, I was working on a message, in fact, for a a wedding that we hosted here yesterday. Uh, And I was working on this message, and I heard what I thought was some thunder in the distance. I don't know if this ever happens to you, but you kind of think, oh, like, was that some thunder? You know, you, you, the first time you hear it, and, and it's a bit of a distance away, you're not sure what it is. And, it, you know, it might be some sort of truck passing on a, on a motorway, or it might be some construction going on, and, you know, there's a, there's a big activity happening, and it's making a crash somewhere in the city. And you're not really sure. And so what you do is you kind of listen out again. Was that thunder? Was I mistaken? And as I'm sitting there doing my preparation for this message, I hear more thunder, and I'm like, no, that definitely was some thunder, and by the way, it seems to be a little tiny bit louder. Um, there's, there's a storm approaching, it seems. So I get out from my desk, and I walk to the window, and I have a look outside, and sure enough, as I look out towards the city, I can see some thunder clouds gathering. You know, there's a kind of an ominous atmosphere uh, in the sky. It's gone a bit dark, and I, I can kind of tell that there's a storm on the way, and it's kind of coming towards us. Um, so I don't know about you, are you the kind of person that likes a thunderstorm? I kind of quite enjoy a thunderstorm. I get energized by what they bring. You know, there's a, there's a power in a thunderstorm that's quite exciting and quite dramatic. Uh, so I'm, I return to my desk, and then there is another peal of thunder. And it's, it's kind of, the, the earlier two were sort of rumbles in the distance, but this one starts with kind of like a crack, a sort of cracking noise overhead. Uh, And then it sort of spreads out sideways, and as it spreads out sideways, it gets deeper and deeper, and it gets a bit brutal at the end, and it kind of finishes off on the horizons. And and when you're you're listening to thunder like that, you're kind of uh, grateful that you've got stereo hearing, like from two ears, because you suddenly get a sense of the scale and power in creation. You suddenly get reminded of, oh my goodness, the cosmos is a big place. And the heavens are large, and God occupies it. And sometimes he will send thunder just to remind us of how big he is and how powerful he is. Um, there's, a, there's a technology called Dolby Atmos. I don't know if you've ever come across this at the cinema. Uh, you know, Dolby has been a company that's run for a long, long time, and they specialize in sound. And Dolby Atmos is a, a technology that allows you to go to the cinema and hear sound from up, I think it, the total is 118 different sonic points in a room. So you might be in an auditorium like this, and if Dolby Atmos is installed, there are 400 speakers uh, in the full, kind of the full ones that they do, where they, they do all the, all the speakers that you can, and you've got 118 different points where you can locate sound. And the first time they premiered one of these was, I think, in July 2011, July 2012, at the opening of the film, the Pixar film Brave, uh, out in Los Angeles, and people went along and they were able to hear uh, Atmos sound for the first time. It's pretty impressive. But can I say that I think thunder brings us Atmos sound on a whole different level. You've got sound going from horizon to horizon, and you can feel it. Sometimes when thunder goes off, you can feel it in your liver. 
can't you? You know that there's a noise going on. We're talking something on a very, very big scale. Then after this thunder starts to get louder and get bigger and it starts to sort of uh, give me that sense of space, then there's suddenly in the neighborhood, there's an updraft. The, the wind starts to catch. I don't know if this is ever, if you've ever seen this as a, as, a, as a storm approaches. Sometimes the wind will lift and shrubs start to shake. Trees start to get a little bit agitated. You get paper bags and, and plastic rubbish thrown up in the air. The atmosphere starts to get a bit charged. And if that ever happens, you know you're within a few minutes, maybe five or ten minutes or so, there's going to be some rain coming. The rain is going to be coming, and it's going to be coming strongly. You sense it. Your, your senses are on high alert for the presence of the storm and its arrival very imminently. Now, all of this was going on on Friday evening, uh, and the storm was approaching where we live, and I was quite excited about it, and I was like kind of settling into my message and thinking, oh, here we go, we've got a big storm coming. And then something really amazing happened. Uh, we have windows that open kind of like this, uh, so most people's windows kind of open like that, don't they? But we have these, uh, some of ours do, but we have some quite big sort of sash windows. We've got this old Victorian house, and the windows, they're quite large, and they open like that a little way so that they can let a gap in sort of horizontally. And the lower one of the windows uh, in the room I was in was open just a fraction, and as I was sitting there, and I, I'm so glad I caught this as it came in the window, a tiny little willow seed or a little cluster of willow seeds blew up into the gap between my window and the, and the edge of the house, and it came into the room. And we're talking like a, a cluster of seeds about this big, really small, uh, pure white with like little tiny black dots in the middle. There's a, a cluster of about four or five of them. They're made by willow trees. They travel on the wind for miles. As a kid, you might have tried to catch them in the park. I don't know if you've ever, you've ever tried to do that. And as you reach out your hand, they kind of skip away, you know, because they're very sensitive. Uh, you try and move your, your arm near it, and it'll jump out of the way. They're very hard to catch. I remember one time actually cycling along a lane one time and catching one in my hand and being stunned that I'd caught it. And then, of course, when I let my, my hand go, the seed just disappeared. So I'm in my room, this storm is about to break, and this little, seed, this little cluster of seeds literally pops up through the window. And then it disappears against the ceiling because the ceiling is painted white, and I can't see it anymore, and I kind of think nothing more of it, although I did notice it, and I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, like seeds that I found very, very hard to capture has just arrived in my room. And I'm sitting there at my desk, and I kid you not, what happened was that the seeds just gently floated across the ceiling and then ever so slowly came down like this, just literally, because there was no real breeze in the room on the far side of the room, and they just came down like this very slowly, literally where I was working, and just landed on the desk next to my phone, just like that, in the middle of a storm. And I, I was sitting there and I was thinking, Okay, that's just a really, really great illustration of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit has all the power at his command in the cosmos. He can rip the heavens apart with thunder from horizon to horizon if he wants to. He's able to create a massive drama and, and things on an epic scale. He was there at the beginning of creation when everything was formless and it was just the deep. The Spirit hovered at the beginning of creation. He is able to bring enormous things to the world, to the galaxy. He's, he's huge. He's got huge amount of power. And yet at the same time, he's got this really tiny little gentleness that can settle like seeds 
in a room, on a table. He can do that. He can work at the level of cells because he brought the conception of Jesus to Mary. And that wasn't achieved with thunder. That was achieved with very tiny things. And I wanted to bring that illustration to you because the Holy Spirit is both. The Holy Spirit is both the great big drama and the great big amazing powerful force that he is and that he can bring. And yet at the same time, he is also the tiny, little, gentle, barely perceptible thing uh, that we would miss if we weren't watching for it. Blink and you would miss it. I was so pleased that the, the, the thing came through the window, and I was so pleased and touched that it would land on my desk in that way. That has never happened to me before. I'm sure it was a God thing. We are talking today about the giving of the Spirit at the Last Supper, the promise of the Spirit. We're in part seven of our Last Supper series. We're looking over a series of weeks at what Jesus teaches and says uh, in John's Gospel between chapters 13 and 17. Um, and it's a, supper on the last, uh, sorry, it's a series on the Last Supper. And we're trying to understand what it is that he's bringing to the disciples and how he's encouraging them and teaching them with these landmark words before he goes to the cross. And it's Pentecost Sunday, and the way we've kind of woven the series is that we're going to look at the, the work and the person of the Spirit a little bit this morning. Jesus says that he's going away. He says to his disciples that he's leaving, and any one of us who've had a leader that we've loved and they've gone, we, f- we feel it, don't we? We're sorry. We're, we're like, what's going to happen next? We're, we're put into a place of uncertainty. But what Jesus then says is he's going to send a someone, a someone with a capital S, a someone who's, whose name is or who is called the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we, what we're going to do is we're going to look at four common translations of a, of, a, of a word that we find only in John's writings, four times in John's gospel and once in one of his letters, for a, a term in the Greek which is paraclete. Uh, comes from the Greek word parakaleo, which is to be called alongside. And I don't know what you have in your translations, but very often, well, there's four. There's four possible terms that can be used sometimes. You might have helper. You might have counselor, you might have comforter, and you might have advocate. They all make an appearance in different uh, standard translations uh, into the English uh, from the Greek there in John's Gospel. Um, And so we're going to look at some of those, what some of those words mean in just a little bit. Um, we, we see a promise emerging in the, in the Last Supper, and what happens is the reason I've included those uh, readings from Acts as well is we see that that promise is fulfilled. Uh, Jesus says some things. He says, I'm going to be sending someone. And then sure enough, in Acts 1 and Acts 2, this someone arrives. And he starts to fill all the believers. And he starts to bless and empower the church. And that's the day of Pentecost. And it's Pentecost Sunday. Uh, So what better day to talk about the role of the Holy Spirit than today? Now the Holy Spirit, it's difficult to know where to start with him because he does so many different things. He is responsible for a whole lot of stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, I don't even, in some ways, know where to, to begin. But let's, let's pick out a few highlights. Um, when you become a follower of Jesus, that day that you decided that, yeah, I think Jesus is the Son of God, and I think that he went to the cross, I think that it's true that he rose again, I think that somehow he deals with my sin in that process, and that, that I am going to go into heaven with him at the end of my life. When you made those decisions... The Holy Spirit jumped on the inside of you, and he made your spirit brand new on the inside. He made you into a new creation. It's like he just went, 
And suddenly, that spirit was there bef- that was there before, that was the old spirit, is kind of transformed into something completely new. He makes you into a new creation. The spirit does something else. He seals that new creation up until the point that you die and that you go to heaven with, uh, with our Father in heaven uh, and with Jesus and with all the other people who've gone to heaven. And the way that he does the seal is, is kind of quite interesting. You know, like uh, old-fashioned letters used to be, uh, they, they used to have wax on them, didn't they? And somebody would prove that, uh, you could prove that a letter had come from somebody and not been tampered with because the seal would not be broken. So you'd, you'd, a letter would come through the post, you could see the bit where you were going to tear it open, and over the bit where it should be torn open, there would be a, a, like a red wax seal, and very often there would be initials stamped into it. And what the Holy Spirit does when you become a new creation is God does that with the Holy Spirit on your spirit. He seals your spirit in order for you to get through life. And then at the end of your life, he comes and he looks at the spirit, uh, the seal, and he goes, is it broken? Is it still there? Does it still have the initials HS on there for Holy Spirit? Yes, it does. Right, you're mine. Into heaven you come with me. That's a really nice thought, isn't it? Really powerful thought. He seals us for the day of redemption. And it's for God that he does it. It's kind of not for us. God wants to know that we're still intact. God wants to know that the Spirit is still with this person, uh, that he's made into a new creation. The Spirit gives us power and boldness. He allows us to do crazy stuff for him that we would never do ordinarily in the human on our own. He guides us into all truth. The Spirit is able to point us like, like a magnetic needle points to north, if you just let it settle, the Spirit will point you to truth. In the long run, you will get there. If you constantly seek the Spirit about something, He will show you the truth. He will point you to Jesus. He will point you to the truth of the situations that you find yourself in. The Spirit whispers to our conscience. That image of that little seed from that willow tree, the gentleness of that image is that the Spirit works in the same way. He whispers into our conscience very gently. And and sometimes we can do stuff and stay stuff that sort of chases that away a little bit. Uh, And we have to be careful not to let that happen. We have to keep the Spirit close to us so that we can hear what it is He's speaking to our conscience. The Spirit brings incredible gifts to the church. He brings things that build up the church that, can, um, that are really very transformational. I remember uh, one of the, the things that convinced me to become a Christian was somebody exercising a spiritual gift of a prophetic word. They said something about my situation in my life that I knew that they couldn't have known in the human. And I worked out, well, God's told you that. Nobody else could have told you that. Therefore, God's real. And I suddenly went, oh, okay, God's real. Oh, my goodness. And that was somebody exercising their spiritual gifts with me and that, that helped build the church. And hey, look, I'm a pastor now. I was so convinced about that. I was like, oh my goodness, I want to be around this kind of being that is able to do that kind of stuff. Who is this person? Well, it's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit. It's Father God. Yes, sign me up. I love this. This is a great thing. The Spirit grows fruit out of some amazing virtues. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Galatians 5, 22, 23. You can list them there. The Spirit grows these things gradually in our lives. As we yield to Him, as we give our lives over to Him, we get more patience. Um, I don't know about you, but sometimes I get into like a queue in the supermarket in Lidl, and uh, I'm one of these people, I have to find the shortest queue. Uh, and uh, Don't you just love it when they open up another till? Come on, admit it. 
You do. You love it. You're not waiting there going, no, 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 I'm practicing my patience. You're not. Come on, just admit it. But the Spirit, but the spirit builds gifts and virtues, not just gifts, but virtues into us. We have virtues grown in us by the action of the Spirit in our lives. He does that for us. The Spirit directly deposits and brings joy and peace and hope to us at times that we need Him to. And also, the Spirit is responsible for some truly staggering timing. I mean, ridiculous timing. If you want to hear a story about ridiculous timing, completely off the scale, that will blow your head off, you need to come out tonight, because I'm going to be speaking about uh, the timing of the Spirit from Acts chapter 8, and I want to bring a testimony of something that happened to me when I was in Bible college that will stagger you. It was an incredible piece of timing from the Holy Spirit, and it will really bless you. Uh, So please come out tonight. Uh, We we are being joined by a number of other Elam churches from around Birmingham, so we'll have some guests with us, and it'll be pretty full. There'll be an opportunity for worship. I'll be bringing this message, and we're going to be praying for some Holy Spirit ministry, you know, some Holy Spirit ministry at the end as well. You're very, very welcome, and that's at 7 p.m. tonight. In short, the Holy Spirit is one incredible person. He really, really is, uh, and I, I'm delighted to be a Pentecostal. You know, I, I, I bless all of our brothers and sisters in the other denominations, but boy, am I pleased to be a Pentecostal. It's so, so great to have the role and the, and, and the person and the work of the Spirit around us uh, in our church and in our lives. Uh, there's, a, there's an important word in the Greek that kind of weaves some of the ideas uh, together, and it's the, it's the Greek word kaleo. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that kaleo leads directly to calling in the English. I can't prove that, but I think it is the case. Uh, I've done some research, and I, I've kind of run adrift. At, uh, it seems to have come from some old word in Scandinavia, but I'm pretty sure they got it off the Greeks. So you've got this word kaleo, and then it translates to this word calling. And what happens is it happens on three levels in the New Testament. Jesus calls two his disciples. At Matthew 10.1, you've got this list of, uh, of disciples' names, and it's Jesus calling to the disciples. So whenever you make a decision uh, to follow Jesus, he's kind of effectively calling to you to say, hey, come on, come and follow me. Um, and there's, there's a sense in which the call of Jesus is to you, and then you respond. So that's calling to uh, and that's one instance of how the word kaleo gets used. Then there's this calling alongside, which is what we get the word paraclete from. The, the, the kaleo gets translated to the kind of the cow bit there. And then you've got para, which means beside. You know paratroops are troops that are beside other troops. They arrive from the sky to help. That's what a paratroop is. Well, you've got the paraclete. You've got the one who is called alongside to be alongside you. And that's what we're talking about uh, in John's Gospel today. And then we've got the church, and the church are, are called as well, but they're called out. Uh, they're the, the called out ones. That's that, the, the Greek word there is ekklesia, from ex, which means to come out, and kaleo. Uh, and so you've got three kinds of calling. You've got called to, to follow Jesus. You've got the called alongside one, who is the Holy Spirit. And then you have all of us as the church who are called out to stand out from the world and make a difference. And it's three kinds of calling that, go, that are going on. Um, I did think about calling this message called to, called alongside, and called out. But it didn't quite roll off the tongue as just calling the message the Spirit. So I went with the Spirit. Um, I want to give you an illustration of uh, this, this role of being called alongside. Uh, let me give you an illustration. I've, I, I'm someone that's uh, struggled with maths in my life. 
I don't know if there's anyone out there that has kind of find maths hard or whatever your subject was that you find hard, but I didn't get on with maths that well at school. I struggled. Um, you know, I get to a certain point with maths, and then the numbers kind of seem to jumble up, and I get this kind of fuzz that goes on in my head, and I just, I lose confidence around maths, okay? Now, all three of my lads, if Adam goes off and does his A-levels that he's going to, uh, he wants to do maths and further maths. Simon's already doing maths, and George did maths. Uh, can I just say, they didn't get that from me, okay? They got it from Chloe, all right? I am, I am not great with maths. However, back in the days when we had O-levels, this was before GCSEs, I had a maths teacher called Mr. Taylor, and Mr. Taylor was a great bloke. He was such a great teacher. Uh, he would uh, take his time with us. He'd explain concepts a number of different ways. So if you didn't get it the first time, you'd get it the second or the third time. He would sometimes bring objects in to explain things. Um, he even brought a pizza in once and showed us how to divide things up with a pizza. And we did some trigonometry and we did some fractions and all sorts of stuff. He was a great guy. He taught so, so well. The best thing about Mr. Taylor, though, was that he would often allocate around kind of seven to ten minutes at the end of his class so that if anybody who was struggling with their maths, they could go up to his table and they could get, basically get alongside him and he would help them out one-to-one. -one. And I found myself there a lot. Can I just say that? Um, you would get kids going up there and say, oh, sir, can you help me with my mouth? I just don't understand this. And you'd, you'd sit there, and he would, he would get out a piece of paper. Uh, we don't use this kind of piece of paper anymore very much. It's a size called fool's cap. Anyone here remember fool's cap at all? Yes, there's a few older people in the congregation who remember fool's cap. It's like A4, but a bit thinner and a bit taller. And that was the standard size back in the kind of early to mid-80s. And he'd get a fresh piece of fool's cap out. He'd get his beautiful fountain pen out. And you'd sit at the desk alongside him. And he would write out what you needed to do. And in the act of sitting alongside him and watching him write things out, confidence would surge back. And you'd go, oh, right, I suddenly get this now. He would spend the time on you. I'm such a words person versus a numbers person. I would, I would sometimes sit there and go, oh, fool's cap. Yeah, that's, that's him capping me being a fool, you know, and then, and, then I'd ha and then I'd have to tell myself, no, 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 this is maths, this is not English, stop, don't do the words thing, we're in numbers land now, that was what it's like, that's, you know, my, my intelligence is pretty patchy, I'm great with words, but numbers, oh dear, but Mr. Taylor was a great illustration of the one called alongside, the called alongside one, because he offered in his lessons the capacity to come and sit alongside and receive personal one-to-one -one help. And he would restore confidence. He would, he would guide into all truth. He would show the way forward. And, you know, often I'd walk out of his maths lessons with a, a piece of fool's cap with this beautiful handwriting on it, which I kind of tried to copy. I'd admired it so much. And I'd fold this fool's cap into half. I'd go home, and there it would be in my maths notes. And I'd get it out again, and I would remember what he'd taught me. And I'd apply the principles, and it really helped me out. And in the end, I got a B for my O-level maths. Yes, come on. That's a miracle right there. What a great guy. He really was great. It's a great illustration of what the Holy Spirit does for us in the spiritual. So as Mr. Taylor did that for me with my maths, the Holy Spirit comes alongside us and he does all those things for us, but on a much bigger scale, day to day, he's always there and it's on a whole range of things, spiritual, practical, all sorts of things like that. He is the called alongside one. 
And we get given him as a gift by God the day that we decide to follow Jesus. And he comes and sits and lives alongside us and helps us out in so, so many ways. Uh, He's brilliant. I'm going to offer you, uh, just by kind of way of bringing uh, my message into land, uh, the four main translations of what that Greek word paraclete can sometimes be translated as. There's helper, counselor, comforter, and advocate. And each of them are a brave attempt to try and understand just how parakaleo can really be translated, even though we know it means the called alongside one. Um, helper is that the Spirit helps us at every level of our lives. He's alongside us all the time. Um, his advice and his counsel and his wisdom can be surprisingly practical. Um, have you ever prayed to, to find lost keys uh, ever happened to you uh, or fi- find a lost phone? The Spirit, uh, seriously, try this out. If you're someone that loses things, I also recommend those Apple tags, by the way. But uh, if you're someone that loses things, why don't you pray to find it? I've often found that when I ask God for help in a practical way uh, through the Spirit, I say to the Spirit, Spirit, would you please show me where I've put my phone? Or where have I, where have I put that key? And often, surprisingly often, the answer comes back and I find it. Uh, and it's kind of fun seeing when God does it fast as well. That's really cool when he does that. He is the helper. He helps us in a wide range of ways. And so helper is a great translation. Counselor is, uh, is kind of like our modern day term of counseling when basically it's a person who brings insight. You know if you've ever had uh, to go and get some counseling and, uh, and try and unravel something in your life and you've needed to spend some time one-to-one talking through things. Well, the counselor is a person who can help you do that. He can help you unravel knots and kind of get behind things. And I think one of the great things that a good counselor can do is bring insight. And then when you've got insight, you've then got an ability to see things from a a new perspective. And so often that new perspective can help you and bring release and forward forward movement in your life. Um, I've benefited from counseling at a couple, two or three different points in my life. One time before I became Christian, it was ever so helpful. And and it brought insights and and new ways of of, of processing some difficulties. Often counseling is like a, it's like a, 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 you've got a, a, a big rope in your life and it's just all jumbled up into a big knot. And what counseling can do is it can gradually just tease that all out and lay it all out for you. And then, then you've got some clarity. The Spirit does that for us all the time. He's continually unraveling things. He's a person of great order. And I know that Pentecostals have a reputation for being potentially a bit wild and wacky, but actually the Spirit is filled with wisdom and truth, and he brings order and insight into so many situations. He's also a comforter. And it's, it's kind of at this point in the Last Supper when Jesus starts to introduce the idea that he's sending the Holy Spirit because they know Well, he's trying to say to them that he's going to go away. And that brings them to a sort of place of distress. And what he's trying to say is, no, I'm going to send you this person who's going to comfort you. It's going to be a comfort that you know another person is coming. That's going to be so helpful to you, disciples, because you're not going to be on your own. Yes, I I need to leave you and go on to the next chapter of my assignment in the Lord, but the Lord is sending someone else to help you. And I don't know about you, uh, you know, in in adult life, we sometimes have to be pretty brave, don't we? We have to to kind of, we call it manning up, you know, we have to be strong, we have to be determined. There are some situations in life that are hard, but there's also a side to us that really just enjoys the, the possibility of being comforted. Uh, you know, I think it's just helpful sometimes to, to receive comfort from someone. 
uh, to be comforted in a difficult situation. The Spirit is able to do that. You can actually pray a prayer like this. Holy Spirit, please would you comfort me right now? You can literally pray that. And I've found that it takes about two or three minutes of just waiting on the Spirit, and then you start to feel better. You do. Try it sometime. You have to wait a little bit. It's not instantaneous. But if you wait on the Spirit, He will comfort you. And then lastly, the the advocates, that, that translation that you may have in your translations from those passages in John, this is from a kind of a legal side. There's a sort of a legal sense here. Um, what the Spirit is able to do is work a little bit like a solicitor or a lawyer alongside you presenting your case to the judge uh, and bringing you uh, representation in a court setting. So he's bringing uh, evidence about you to the judge and you know that that evidence is accurate and correct because he's been alongside you. You know, the last thing you want to do in a court, in a court setting is, is to go to court and then have the lawyer that's going to represent you, or the solicitor, arrive that day, and they know nothing about you or about your case. And that sometimes can happen, and you don't really want that, because you want a person who, who knows you, and he knows your case, and he knows your situation, and the Holy Spirit is like that. In New Testament times, that word parakletos was quite often used. I'm talking outside the Bible. It was quite often used to talk about a legal representation somebody who could be alongside you in a court setting, giving you, giving you a proper hearing before the judge, presenting evidence correctly. So he's the helper, the counselor, the comforter, and the advocate. And those are all very decent translations of that word uh, parakletos uh, from John's gospel. I'm going to ask the worship team just to uh, come on back. Uh, thank you, Kevin. Thank you, team. Thank you so much. I'm going to just uh, read to you uh, a short verse out of Acts chapter 2. So in the Last Supper, Jesus makes these promises about the person of the Spirit. And then in Acts, what happens is the Spirit actually starts to arrive. And in Acts 2, you heard Sharon reading that there. Acts 2, verses 1 to 4, there was a sound of a mighty wind. And the Spirit starts to fill all the believers who are waiting on him in Jerusalem. But a little later on, Peter, he's brought a sermon. He's talked about what Jesus has done on the cross. And people are very convicted by what they've heard. And Peter says this, uh, after they've heard his sermon, it says this in Acts 2 from verse 37. It says, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. And they said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And here it is, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Would you stand with me, BCC? Stand with me just a moment. We're going to worship. But something I'd like for you to do, if you feel comfortable with this, I'd like you to just hold your hands out in front of you. One of the things that we regularly need to do as believers and as followers of Jesus is remind ourselves that we have the gift of the Spirit that we have the Spirit alongside us. So I'm just going to pray for a moment and I'm going to ask the Spirit to come and to just be present in your life. Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence alongside us today. Lord, you can see your people here in BCC and, and so many of them are holding their hands out. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and just park yourself alongside us. Be the, the called alongside one today for us, Holy Spirit. Come and touch us in our minds, in our hearts, in our consciences. Fill us up with your power. 
Remind us of your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for who you are. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's sing. Let's sing. Thanks, Kevin. Thank you, worship team. Thank you.